Well, welcome back to Life on the Vine on this Saturday of Holy Week. Uh, yeah, a somber Saturday. Somber Saturday. We're delighted to have Julia back with us today. Thanks so, so much, good Julia. to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I loved, uh, loved the last episode you did with us. Sorry I wasn't here, but... It was great. You missed out. I did miss out. You had yeah. a... a wonderful stand-in with Steve Wilson. I know. You know, God works in exactly the way that God wants to work. And I'm so <laughs> glad that Steve jumped in for that. Amen. But, uh, well, today is, uh, yeah, it's Saturday, and we've got some got some somber content as we are on the other side of the crucifixion, not yet to Easter. It's Saturday, but Easter's coming. But... Uh, yeah, we're excited to jump into this text, and this is all part of the story and part of walking with Jesus from Palm Sunday to Easter. So, uh, yeah, thanks for being with us, and thanks to all you who are listening today. Um, we're excited to jump in. Yeah, so last time, Julia, on Wednesday, you brought Lectio Divina to us. So what's in the uh, what you got in the old bag of tricks this time? <laughs> Well, yes, on Wednesday, if you were with us, you heard me speak a little bit about the spiritual exercises and how they have been so integral to my faith journey in a way that has allowed a connection from the head to the heart. And so that's what I wanted to bring to you all who are listening today, as a way to engage with the story and the scripture in a way that may, might be new. Maybe you've done this before. Maybe you haven't. But the heart behind it is to experience God in a way that is outside our normal practices. And so what I'm bringing you today is imaginative prayer. And this comes directly from St. Ignatius of Loyola, who was a Spanish priest and theologian in the 16th century. And he left a beautiful legacy, which are called the spiritual exercises. And the point of the exercises, the beauty in the exercises is like I said, this journey from the head to the heart. It's a meditation which engages our minds. It's contemplation which engages our emotions. And it welcomes us into an opportunity to engage our imaginations, even our bodies, our silence, and our emotions that translates what we know about God, what we intellectually know about God to how we experience God. Mm. And this can bring us in closer relationship to and into a better understanding of who God is. So I welcome you into that posture today, um, an opportunity to just find some stillness in your day, to rest, even if you're in motion, it is so possible to rest in the midst of that. Um, I think of St. Francis of Assisi's prayer, make me a channel of your peace. So I invite you into that today. Whatever you may be doing, just ask the Holy Spirit to come, give you stillness, make you a channel of his peace as we enter into the scripture. So I will walk you through this practice wholly, um, you do not have to remember what you need to do. I will prompt you as we go. But I want to um, 
lay out for you just how to enter into this, the posture to take on. So you might say a quick word of prayer that acknowledges the presence of God with us. We know where two or three are gathered, that you are there also. And you might ask God for the gift of grace in this practice, that truth would be on the forefront, that distractions would be off to the side, and that your heart would be open to whatever truth or grace God has for you today. The beauty of entering into this practice is there's nothing you really have to do or figure out, but rather you get to receive. You get to receive what God is offering, what grace and truth God is offering. So if you can, I love to enter into this practice with my eyes closed, but if you're driving or doing the dishes, you can absolutely stay present in the moment. But again, take on that posture just of stillness inside. We're going to read the passage three times, and each time I'm going to ask you to enter into it in a new way. So the first reading will be, What do you see around you? What are you hearing? What are you smelling? What are you even tasting or feeling? The next reading will be, who are you in the story? Are you a bystander? Are you an onlooker? Are you a character? Who are you in the story? And the last reading will ask you to speak with people in the story, perhaps speak with the people that are around or speak to God, ask questions and see what comes up. And then we'll end with a time of silence that will let you take all of this in and rest in it and let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit does best. So let's go ahead and enter into this practice. Again, find that posture, recognize the presence of God. And in this first reading, Ask yourself, what do I see? What do I hear, smell, taste, or feel? This is from John 19, verses 31 through 42. Now it was the day of preparation. And the next day was to be a special Sabbath. Because the Jewish leaders did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies so that you also may believe. These things happened so that the scripture would be fulfilled, saying, Not one of his bones will be broken. And as another scripture says, They will look on the one they have pierced. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. 
Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. Because it was the Jewish day of preparation and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. In this second reading, I invite you to ask yourself, who are you in the story? This story is not an easy one to imagine. It brings a certain heaviness and sorrow. I encourage you still to enter into it in a way that you can. So in this story, ask yourself, who am I? Am I involved? Am I an observer? Whoever you may, may be, how do you respond? What are you doing? What are you seeing? Who are you speaking to? Who is around you? Listen in to John 19, verses 31 through 42. Now it was the day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath. Because the Jewish leaders did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies so that you also may believe. These things happened so that the scripture would be fulfilled, saying, Not one of his bones will be broken. And as another scripture says, they will look on the one they have pierced. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden. 
and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. Because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. In this final reading, I invite you into a conversation. You can do this in silence or you can write it in a journal. But as you listen and as you have been established as someone in the story, speak with God or the Holy Spirit or a character from the passage in response to what you experienced and imagine how they might reply. Some questions you might ask, what happened to you during this experience? What, if anything, did God reveal to you? When were you uncomfortable, comfortable? What might God be saying to you through these moments? Or even what is happening here? Or why? Whatever questions come up for you, be bold to ask them and listen in response to what might be the reply. Our final reading, John 19, verses 31 through 42. Now it was the day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath, Because the Jewish leaders did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus, and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies so that you also may believe. These things happened so that the scripture would be fulfilled, saying, Not one of his bones will be broken. And, as another scripture says, They will look on the one they have pierced. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices and strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. Because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there.
to end, I invite you to, if you can, just push the pause button and take a few minutes of silence to allow all that you have stepped into and experienced and asked to wash over you. Ask the Holy Spirit to plant and root truth within you. Truth about who God is, who Christ is, your discipleship to Christ. And in that end that time of silence with a prayer. Perhaps you say the Our Father. Perhaps you say a prayer of your own. And even if you feel nothing happened except that you read the scripture, praise God that God is working in and through your experience. Amen.
Thanks, Julia. Well, it's rich. Yeah, rich is not the word I'd use for that. I mean, disturbing. It was rich, rich and disturbing. Disturbing. Intense. Yeah. Intense. Yeah. It's probably a good word. Yeah. It's hard to enter into a story like that in your imagination. I think mm-hmm. it's even hard to just read it. Yeah, I, I had. The, the first reading, just entering into sort of the sights of the smells. I like had, I had a, a vis- visceral, tangible, like uncomfortability mm. uh, with the with the leg breaking. Mm. And I yep. just like heard the heard that happen was what sort of really jumped out to me in, in that in that first reading. And yeah. then, like mm. I got like legit sh- shivers, uncomfortability um, in, a, in a very physical way just from yeah that sort of imaginative thing Mm -hmm. yeah well engaging the imagination is such a powerful thing because i i remember um i remember kind of my first visual exposure to to the crucifixion would have been through the passion of the christ Mm -hmm. um you know that mel gibson did and um that was really uncomfortable if you've never watched it, I recommend that you watch it, but it's like super uncomfortable. Um, or it was for me. Um, and I felt myself kind of completely different scene. Well, I guess it's the same scene, different setting, right? It's cause it's the setting of, I've never been to Golgotha before. I don't know mm-hmm. what, what that's actually like. So in my imagination, but very similar, like you said, Dan, kind of the sense of being uncomfortable and being made to be uncomfortable and not escaping it. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's one of the beauties of a practice like this is because when you just read it outright, it does make you a little uncomfortable because the knowledge of that is intense. But like watching something like The Passion of Christ or entering into the story with your own imagination – it brings out this whole other aspect of experiencing in a way what went on and the discomfort that we feel brings the reality of this story and of Holy Week and of Christ's resurrection into clear focus and an embodied reality. Yeah. It, it allows us to no longer be distanced or removed from it, but to, enter into it and to connect with it in a 
in a fuller sense, I think. Well, and even if like, even if you don't really think that Jesus is God, like if you just went through that exercise, reading that scripture through imagination, like the brutality of the cross, Mm. the, the emotion the of the onlookers the kind of just in in my imagination at least it was some sort of like casual disregard of the roman so soldiers for the the men who were up on the cross the criminals mm. you know that like that in and of itself is uncomfortable but then mm-hmm. considering who jesus actually yeah. is is yeah. like my mind cannot another mind bend right yeah. like mm. how yeah mm-hmm. it, the words are not flowing through yeah. this old mouth which is uh through that bended mind yeah yeah <laughs> yeah well i think of one of the hymns that we sometimes sing during holy week that speaks of what language shall i borrow to thank thee dearest friend mm. for this thy dying sorry sorrow thy pity without end and i think to me that maybe some older language, mm-hmm. but kind of speaks to what you're saying. Like what, what, how do we talk about this? How, how do you talk about how, what words can express the, the son of God enduring this for us? Like, right. There, there aren't, it's not just that your mind is bent. Right? It's just the reality. Like there's nothing that we can truly say to wrap this up neatly. Right. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's beyond expression. It's beyond comprehension. I actually think it's beauty, Julia, of this imaginative exercise because it is beyond us. And yet you're inviting us to, to step into the immensity of it in, in a way that, like you said, it's so easy to just kind of read this and maybe it's uncomfortable, but let's get to chapter 20. Right. You know, and, yeah. and to, to have to sit with this, um, is, is, uh, is really is really powerful yeah a little different but two things that struck me one one would be the the difference in smells between sort of the first half and second half mm. of crucifixion and then mm. 75 pounds of spices and that's a lot it's yeah. a lot of uh, yeah <laughs> it doesn't matter <laughs> what spice it is that's, yeah, a, lot. that's a lot of spice yeah. um and i think that's interesting there are smells that you know the, the anointing of jesus before at the very beginning of this whole week and then this is sort of an interesting thing for me and then i was also struck and i don't know exactly where this uh came into the imagination but i was i never really noticed before that nicodemus touches a dead body on the day before a high sabbath day and it just popped like he's the teacher of teachers he's the pharisee of pharisees he's like super high up in the sanhedrin and and he's not going to be able to uh, celebrate Sabbath. Like he's touched a dead body, he's unclean, hmm. and he's he's not doesn't have time to go to the like go cleanse himself. I don't think. I, I and I think about the parable of you know, the Good Samaritan, and like it's not just that they see this dead guy and don't want like they don't want to make themselves unclean, right? Like this is a huge part of Jewish law, and here's this guy who's willing to make himself unclean um which i just thinking about his earlier conversation with jesus and just kind of what's going on in his heart that he's willing to do that anyway that i just never thought about that before um coming into the sabbath and and it's a, and it's mentioned right it's a, it's a it's a 
special Sabbath. It's a high holy day. And uh, he's willing to not be a part of it. Yeah. Anyways, that just, I never, never thought about that before. To touch on the first point that you made about the smells. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's so beautiful, such a beautiful thing to bring out because it's almost as if the two very different smells point to the death, the crucifixion, and then the hope of resurrection, even even though it was still Saturday. Resurrection yeah. had yeah. not yet come, and they had heard Jesus speak of it, but they didn't know. And yet, it's this lingering scent of mm. that hope. Yeah, I love that transition. I think that's yeah. so beautiful. And I'd never noticed that either about Nicodemus, and I think that's really cool. The fact that Jesus was of the utmost importance to him mm-hmm. beyond anything else. Yeah. And, I mean, we think about how often Jesus came near the unclean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know who you were in this story, Dan, but I was the guy doing the leg breaking. Wow. That's like, <laughs> blah. <laughs> it was not fun, yeah. right? And then when I was, like, kind of asking questions, I was asking questions of characters and all that stuff. And so it was from a perspective of one of the the Roman soldiers and you know, it wasn't like it was completely malicious. It was, Oh, it's my job. This mm-hmm. is what I'm being asked to do. And yeah. Oh, well we don't have to break this guy's legs. He's already dead. Are you sure? <laughs> you know, sorry for all this. That was a little, but um, just kind of from that perspective, I think that sometimes we can approach Jesus you know, uh, on the cross or really even when he's resurrected or even before that, we can just approach Jesus with a workplace sterilization. Mm. Okay. You know, I believe in you. That's great. My sins are forgiven. So I'm good, right? Okay, good. Like that's your job, Jesus. Now I can go on with my, with mine. Um, so I, I just, it was interesting to engage in this where the character that I was engaged with would have not really had any understanding of who Jesus is and that we can come into contact with him and we can be kind of encircling Jesus and around the story and not ever actually encounter him for who he is. Um, and and so in my imagination that's what i saw a lot of was just this was just another day for some people like yeah. it was a really really horrible day for some others and it, yeah. there was some expediency that needed to happen here so you know um because of because of the sabbath that needed to happen so yeah. um just kind of i think that's where we sit a lot of times is that we're just people in this world like we see all these major things happening and it's like, well, I'm not really a part of that. I'm very distant from that. I'm just a person in this big cog. And so a lot of times we can just miss it. And yeah. that's kind of what I viewed a lot of, which was very strange. I was not expecting that. And I think that's, 
That's so good. And it's so much of the story of the gospel. I mean, for kind of from start to finish, born in a manger in a small town, no one knows, no great fanfare. I mean, there's a fanfare of angels, but it's sure. the shepherds. Yeah. You know, so, um, and I, I, yeah, I love that insight. It's, it, I mean, it's another, it's another day for so many, for so many people. It's just the next thing that they're doing and, you know, got work today, got work tomorrow, breaking legs today, breaking legs tomorrow. I mean, yep. like, honestly, that's, that's just sort of the, the day in day out for some of these soldiers or even, even the crowds passing by, you know, I think it's easy to maybe think of everyone in Jerusalem and, and they, this is a unique crucifixion, but crucifixion was not unique. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, this is something that they're used to. They're used to seeing um, the Romans killing people and, and yet the obviously the uniqueness of this moment and but just how easy it is to miss that and and something about God coming to us in the ordinary yeah mm-hmm. you know the extraordinary in overlapping the ordinary and I, I think is that interesting juxtaposition as well. Mm. And I think it also brings a little bit of light or parallels with our sin in the way that we become so disconnected mm-hmm. or numb yeah to the reality of our sin. And we just are blind to it or turn a blind eye to it. Or we've become so used to it, like the Roman soldier, that we think it's commonplace in our lives. Mm-hmm. Just kind of a becoming desensitized. Yes. In, yeah. in Julia, kind of along what you were saying, thinking about becoming numb to sin sometimes, I think. I was sort of initially thinking I'm probably imagining myself as part of the crowds and then was thinking, no, like how I'm visualizing this. I'm a lot closer than probably the crowds. I'm probably a soldier and I may not be the soldier breaking the legs, but like yeah, I'm definitely, um, I mean, like I don't I don't know how this plays out for you all, but I don't necessarily like immediately I'm this character. I sort of like trying on different, like, what am I actually imagining and where am I imagining it from and who, who am I actually but I, I think the where where this ties in, I think, to what you were saying is sort of the like, okay, maybe I'm not the person breaking breaking the legs. Um, and I like in my mind, like that's still like a bit uncomfortable even imagining myself as a soldier. But I'm definitely not like doing anything about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I'm still there, like part of it. And I think that just your comment about sin, like even just the the allowing of sitting next to even if you're not like doing all the things necessarily like there's a sort of i don't know complicity in in sin that we can become numb to as well and um did anyone else have like jesus's body being put on a cart no yeah. but that would make sense no. i yeah. mean i went and got the cart uh, you went and got the cart yeah i went and got the cart because they wouldn't let me touch his body. Mm. They I was, yeah, yeah. I mean, it depends on how close the. Some people yeah. think the tomb was like super, super close. Super close. But uh, it's interesting. I was kind of imagining myself either. I don't know. I don't know if I was Nicodemus or Joseph or yeah. Matthea. Yeah, it wasn't clear. I was still my Roman dude. Who was you? Like, you're still your Roman dude. I like kind of. I saw this in on. scenes, so I sort of yeah, yeah. switched switched people. 
But I think it brought it brought it highlighted the deadness of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wrapping up the body. I think again, it's easy to sort of like, ah, oh, Jesus was crucified. We know the resurrection's coming, and maybe he's just mostly dead. You oh, know, and, and we all <laughs> we all know there's a difference between mostly dead and all dead. But like wrapping up the body, you're like, Jesus is all dead. Like mm. he's dead. You know, and this is the end. Yeah. So we think, and and I think that's. Again, not something that we necessarily, I, I maybe I should say just I necessarily sit with much of the time. And I think one of the things we are invited to sit with during Holy Week and to sit, you know, sit with the disciples and with um, Joseph and Nicodemus and Mary and on, on Silent Saturday on, but that just that was highlighted by actually kind of wrapping the body mm-hmm. for me it goes back to your comment on you know the sterilization yeah. but when in fact it was gruesome and jesus's body mattered and the fact that he was yeah. dead mattered yeah i love that it in the end goes to a garden i think mm. that's really beautiful and really sweet yeah. that there was a garden nearby mm. and that's where he was placed mm. There's so many connections we could make to that. Mm-hmm. Should we wait till they're gone? Yeah. Can you hear them? <laughs> I'm sure they can hear the the <coughs> sirens. But we also had a tornado siren right in the middle. So. <laughs> it's the reality of recording in uh-huh. a downtown building. Yes. Yeah. The Hannah Howard studio is not as soundproof as we might like. <laughs> We are immersed in the reality of the chaotic world yeah. in this podcast. Yeah. Uh-huh. We are not sequestered uh-huh. off in some little utopia. We are in the know. landscape. It's pretty utopian esque. <laughs> <laughs> yes, with the garden, it makes me yeah. think of going back to the Garden of Eden, the promise mm-hmm. of that, or being in. In a place of beauty, again, the spices, the smells, a place of hope. It wasn't this rocky desert land tomb. (laughs) It was lush and beautiful and fragrant. I love that image. I agree. I like that image. I don't know that I can love any images that you just invited me into to imagine. That was not cool, Julia. Not cool. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, but uh, th- you don't like lush gardens. No, no, those were fine. You don't like spices. Uh, no, breaking the dude's legs was not. It was a little much for me. Um, but, but, you know, I've done prayer of imagination before, and um, I think in the spiritual exercises booklet that we went through doing the Ignatian exercises it kind of introduces the imaginative prayer in the stories leading leading to Jesus's birth. So in the season of Advent, and that's cool because you get to, I mean, you get to see some like details that, that we kind of gloss over, you know, as he goes to, um, or as his mom goes to Bethlehem and kind of the, the different, um, challenges that that would have presented and but you also get to you know see life you know and you're not like seeing death and so this is a very different experience than any of the other and i've done some with 
um, some of the miracles of Jesus and, and, and stuff like that. So it's pretty feel good. Um, this one didn't feel so good, but that's okay. Yeah, it didn't. And that's the truth. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel good. So I was going to say, un- un- <laughs> say life is pain, highness. Man, you're really wow, in a uh, yeah. Princess Bride <laughs> mood today. <laughs> but no, I really, I, I think that common is important because yeah, I yeah. know for me, a lot of my Christian life was the search for happiness, the pursuit mm-hmm. of happiness. And I avoided pain at all costs. And I think our culture does that really well, mm-hmm. yeah. is avoiding pain and however we can, whether yeah. it's healthy or unhealthy. And that's just not the life of Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what does it look like for us to be open-handed to that reality? And how does that shape us into Christ-likeness? Mm-hmm. Not in a way of, you know, wanting pain or asking yeah. for pain or asking for suffering, but we know that that's an inevitability of life. Yeah. And how can we take that on in a way that mirrors the lamentations of the psalmists mm-hmm. and ask for God's purification through it and as a moment to bring us closer to Christ and to Christ likeness, but it's not easy. And none of us really want to do that. I don't think no one, no one is self-flagellating at will. Yeah. It's such a helpful practice too, for, I think of Jesus words to this, like where I am there, you will be and follow me and take up your cross. And like part of what Jesus does is to step into pain and hurt. And that's, sort of the incarnation, right? Mm-hmm. Like Jesus is, is is with us where we are, and part of the call and following Jesus is to be with people where they are, which is oftentimes in places of pain and hurt. And I, I think about being a chaplain or just being with people in the hospital or whatever it might be, you're invited, and we are invited so often to just simply be with people in the midst of pain and, and hurt and suffering and to not it's not always about like, Hey, you need to get to the resurrection and the hope right now. It's like, no, I'm going to sit with you on Saturday where it seems like Jesus is dead and is going to stay dead. And we're just going to sit here and we're just going to be here. And I think that practices like this and you know, one of the reasons I'm just grateful for bringing this to us is that it kind of helps us and trains us even to, to do that. Um, Cause I don't think that does. I mean, I, I know for me, it's something I've had to like learn and work on that doesn't come naturally. Like I want to get people to, Hey, you're sad. Let's get happy. You know, like what can I do to make you happy? Like how can, how can I remind you of the promises? And that's just, that's just not sometimes, sometimes, but like oftentimes it's like, Hey, let's, let's, let's just be here together. Let's just be here together. And, and uh, I think like you said, that, that doesn't, really come naturally but in every relationship that we're in that's that's necessary from time to time absolutely so good and so hard but so important agreed so <laughs> listener as your neogram seven doing over there uh, jackson it's hurting me <laughs> <laughs> i'm like get me out of here <laughs> no i i this is something that i'm i'm learning to to lean into as well when my mind and body say escape mm. yeah. um 
it's usually a red flag for me that I gotta, you know, I'll be I'll be better off actually sitting through it, yeah, um, and leaning into it and and uh, feeling all the feels, I guess. Mm-hmm. So again, Julia, you've you've done it again. You brought us something beautiful, even though I think it's gruesomely beautiful. I mean, you brought us yeah. something, invited yeah. us um, to engage in a way that we don't normally. And so thank you for that. And listeners, I hope that you got um, just as much out of that as, as I did. And yeah. seems as, as Dan did. Too. Yeah, so. absolutely. Thanks for listening, Julia. Thanks so much for being here with us. Thanks for having me. And as we mentioned on Wednesday, if you're interested in these kind of practices, yeah. there is opportunity especially through the Ignatian exercises. So if you're interested in that, you can shoot Duff Points a message or me, or if you even just want to grab a cup of coffee or tea, maybe I've had too much coffee today, I would love to do that and talk with you about what this could look like in your own life. So just ping me and thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Thanks for engaging and staying in it even though it was intense and hard and uncomfortable. Blessings to you. And join us tomorrow as we uh, hear the rest of the story. I don't know if I can say that. It's like copyright, but... (laughs) 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 Join us tomorrow. I don't know why I'm thinking of movies, because then my mind immediately went to, you don't own the phrase, shop around the corner. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, thank you again for bringing Tom Hanks into the conversation. Yeah, that's what I that's what I'm here for. <laughs> God bless you. We love him. Yeah. We'll see you tomorrow. Yeah, we'll just push the end button <laughs> mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Easter is coming. We're having a hard time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that should that be the theme song? <laughs> transition um i'm so sorry you guys we're just gonna go to an ad really quickly we'll be back with you in just a second one of our partners for the show is <laughs> nestle chicks easter chicks <laughs> those I got, wonderful I got bright yellow right i was thinking you were gonna go with something like this episode has been brought to you by McCormick spices. <laughs> you too can have seventy-five pounds of whatever you want: rosemary, oregano. Deliver to your door. <laughs> Frankincense, even more. Oh, have a terrible sunburn from sitting on the beach this summer. Aloe, that's what you need. Put that gel on your blisters, and tomorrow will be a new day. <laughs> okay.